Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, and we're ready to go. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360, the Tuesday edition. Hunt and Withrow with you. Tim Brando of Fox Sports. He'll join us to discuss the NCAA tournament. That's coming up in hour two today. Plus, Michael McHenry is back for another season of Major League Baseball with us. He'll join us every other week. Uh, when Kurt Schilling doesn't join us on Tuesday, the fort, Michael McHenry will. That's in hour three. Chad, good afternoon. Hut and I am pissed off for greatness today. Oh, I am fired nice. up. I am ready. I will tear into anything. I will rip it limb from limb. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I could throw this bottle of moonshine right up here off of Davey Hudson's head right now just to get the party started. And it has nothing to do with Davey, by the way, by the, by the reason that I'm well, pissed it, off for it, greatness. It, well, I'm just fired up. There are days where you wake up and you got a fire in your belly and you just got to let it breathe. You got to let that dragon breathe. And that's how I feel today. The dragon will breathe fire today. It may not have anything to do with Davey except for the story he's bringing to us uh, about a zebra. That's that's all I'll say. That's later in the show. And maybe, See, I don't even maybe know what it your, is. Maybe that's your spirit animal. I thought the whole thing was we had no clue what it was, and then we had to react to it. But apparently you know what it is. I know what it is because I wanted to know what was in our show. Oh, I don't want to know. I don't even want to know with this. This segment yeah. needs to be a complete surprise. I'm glad. I, well, now I know it's a zebra. So I'll react to the zebra later in the show. Chad, um, who's pissed off for greatness... It may be because we still haven't heard anything on Aaron Rodgers. However, Jets and Giants. Jets are definitely pissed off. Jets and Giants making the headlines as we start today. The New York Jets, uh, according to reports, they've come to terms with one of Rodgers' favorite receivers, Alan Lazard from Green Bay, and another report from Diana Rossini who says that in the meeting last week with Jets decision makers who flew out to California with Aaron Rodgers. He has a wish list, the Amazon wish list of who he wants to join him in New York. And that also includes Randall Cobb and Odell Beckham Jr. The Jets are making moves to do that after yesterday's report that he still hasn't told New York or Green Bay what he intends to do. But Chad, it's all but done. Trey Wingo has, he has been on the breaking news side of the reports for Aaron Rodgers in previous seasons, off seasons. Wingo says it's done. The trade's done. It's finalized. This seems to be the last bit of it. And maybe, Chad, maybe we see Rodgers make an announcement soon. It did not come uh, with Pat McAfee today. The wait continues, but this is a good sign that the it's, Jets have their quarterback. It's a good sign that we're getting closer to the end. I wish it would end. Uh, it, it is also fun, though, just to follow the trends of everyone trying to guess yeah. what's happening. I don't think it's much of a guessing game. Now, this would be the ultimate game of chess and not checkers. <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers just simply got all of his buddies another contract and then retired. He just did complete, you know, hey, I'm going to get all my guys signed on with the Jets and then announce my retirement after just to see if I can do that. I don't think that's what's happening. I think he's going to end up a Jet because – they're now setting about bringing on the free agents that he wants. And 
This is a big power play by Aaron Rodgers, and understandably so. But that as part of this deal, he can go to them and say, here's who I'd like to throw passes to. Here's who I'd like to be teammates with in New York. It's going to help our team. It's going to help our offense. Really kind of shows the power of, of Aaron Rodgers in this whole deal. The other thing about the power of Aaron Rodgers is, I mean, we're all sitting here waiting on his, not every word, a word. Yes yeah. or no. That's the word we're waiting to hear from Aaron Rodgers. Right. Hopefully we hear it today. Plain or not is what we're waiting on. And, I mean, look, rightfully so. Future Hall of Famer. Um, the biggest move since Tom Brady was on the move at the quarterback position. And Brady also brought players with him to Tampa yep. Bay. Antonio one, Brown? And one of the players that he brought in Shaq Mason was just traded to Houston on the offensive line from Tampa uh, late yesterday at offensive guard. The New York Giants have also made a blockbuster trade. They've acquired Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders in exchange for a third-round pick. Now, if you go back to the trade deadline, that what they've essentially done, and Joe Shane has done a phenomenal job over the last four or five months with this, knowing that they're acquiring Darren Waller from Las Vegas. They had the 100th pick in the NFL draft. That was a compensatory pick that first came to Kansas City uh, whenever they lost Ryan Poles to become the new general manager of the Chicago Bears. Kansas City was awarded that third-round pick. It was 100th overall. KC traded that in exchange for Kadarius Toney to the Giants, who have then turned that pick into Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders. So Joe Shane, in, F in essence here, he has traded uh, Kadarius Toney for Darren Waller. Great move uh, for the Giants and a great weapon for Daniel Jones. And Waller was nearly, we'll tie in Rodgers with this, he was nearly a part of the package deal that got Devontae Adams to Vegas. Yeah. Waller was mentioned for that. Yeah. So they were nearly exchanged, and in, in, he was going to be in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Now he's playing in New York, just not for the Jets, the New York Giants. Is Evan Ingram still under contract with the Giants? No, too? Evan Ingram is now with Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville, yeah. okay. Who was the tight end I'm thinking of with the Giants? Well, he was there. Ingram okay. was there. But this past year, though, I'm trying to think of someone they had that they was had a pretty rookie. good. Yeah, they had a rookie who was good. I mean, Darren Waller clearly is going to be the guy at tight end, but I'm trying well, to think of who they're pairing Darren Waller with now. This, this puts in perspective Waller's impact for them at the position. NFL research says Darren Waller has more career seasons with over 1,000 receiving yards than all other tight ends in Giants history combined. That's all you need to know about the impact of this guy. And what are the Raiders doing? They're changing their offense. Are they blowing it up? Are they trying to acquire a lot in the future? Or are they just, hey, we know this guy's a great player, but he doesn't really fit our offense? I feel like a good offensive mind would make Darren Waller work yeah. in whatever offense. Well, they've got, so they have Josh Jacobs under contract, under the franchise tag. Um, Devontae Adams is still there. They have, let's see, Jacoby Myers, who has just signed with them from New England, who, of course, knows... Uh, Josh McDaniels there and the tie-ins with New England for their head coach. They bring over Garoppolo from San Francisco, and they also have Hunter Renfro, at least right now. Um, so uh, the Raiders are in a position where they've got to figure things out fast. I still think rookie quarterback could be in play for them. I know a lot of people are saying because of the money they're giving Jimmy G, that's not going to be the case, but... I, I tend to think they have to swing big in the draft for a quarterback as well, knowing that Garoppolo doesn't necessarily always play. 
right? Yeah. That's the other big factor. So a, uh, I'm trying to see who this is on Twitter. Uh, it looks like a player. Someone with 77,000 followers just tweeted out, yo, at OBJ, the Jets, and Odell Beckham Jr. just responded with the eye emojis oh. <laughs> wide open. This was nine minutes ago uh, to the reports about Odell Beckham Jr. being not on the enemies list of Aaron Rodgers, but the wish list to the Jets of players he wants to play with in New York. Uh, again, Darren the, Waller is These now are the, the updates, Giants. by the way, I'll be giving until Aaron okay. Rodgers gives official word. I'm just scouring the internet for Instagram posts, stories, <laughs> Facebook likes, rumors, tweets, anything from any of these players or anyone that may be connected to Aaron Rodgers or the Jets. I'll be acknowledging all of them until Aaron Rodgers speaks. Darren Waller to the Giants, maybe Odell Beckham Jr. to the Jets. That's according to Rossini, who... Aaron Rodgers apparently told to the Jets he wants on that roster. Um, and that was the rumor for Green Bay had they made the playoffs that we could see all that we could see him, o o Odell Beckham Jr., there uh, in Green Bay. Chad, um, we also are watching the Lamar Jackson saga play out in Baltimore. There is a report, I believe Schefter threw this out there, and there's no reason to, to think it's incorrect. I just don't know uh, from his perspective if it's fully guaranteed. I don't believe it is or if they could get out of this contract prior to the $200 million third year of the contract offer locking in, which I expect is the case. Uh, but there's a report, and it was picked up by Wingo's site at the 33rd team, that Schefter you know, just threw out there, was like, well, it was $133 million fully guaranteed, and then year three, it was up to $200 million. So a headline was put out that he has turned down a $200 million fully guaranteed contract of the whatever the length of the duration of the, the years and salary would be. So Lamar Jackson, who we haven't heard from, sends this in response and uh, has the, you know, the crazy eyes. And then he says in a further tweet that it needs to be, uh, needs to be known that he, of course, is representing himself. And he says, and some of y'all think that I shouldn't uh, represent myself. I should have an agent. Meaning like, the $200 million in year three, uh, fully guaranteed, but I need an agent? Again, that's already been out there. And the $200 million in year three, Chad, I believe is something that could, they could have cut losses with or restructured based on all that. So Jackson's saying don't pay attention to the $200 million headline. If you're, you know, now there's a lot of reports out there, speculation about every team in the league feels like the Ravens will just match whatever's offered yeah, because they can. But if you're a team that needs a quarterback, why don't you just try? That was to, my point all to, to last call their, week But and to this call week. their bluff. Yes. But, I, but my point, not, well, I know what you're saying about it. You would talk to them and negotiate. But my, my issue would be, okay, even if you believe that. I know. And you want a Lamar Jackson at all, why don't you just... Well, that's my collusion argument. Within an hour of him being tagged non-exclusively, yeah, their I, reports were, we're not interested. We're not interested. At I, all? I just... At all? What else is going on here? Again, uh, the, I, I just, they, they do I, not. I don't. I, the owners absolutely don't want to set a precedent of fully guaranteed but money. Is that my, what but, I'm saying is, do people believe something else about Lamar Jackson that we're not seeing, other than the obvious injury concerns? There's no where way he's not finishing a season. That cannot be the case. The last two years, we heard from the head coach and the general manager in Baltimore right after the season. John Harbaugh's telling. Uh, the media and speaking to his fan base in Baltimore saying there's a 200% chance that we're going we're to get an extension done. 
long-term with Lamar Jackson. You have Eric DaCosta saying, he's going to be back with us. We want him back. You have players in the locker room after he missed the game in Cincinnati uh, in the postseason to where right after that, locker room clean-out day, we want Lamar Jackson back. We've got to have eight back with us. But yet, all of a sudden, it's not worth picking up the phone if you're another organization and saying, hey, um, let's work something out. Now, this is where he needs an agent. I've said this. I think he's played this well until now because I think he needs an agent to get his side of the story out there. Because right now, Baltimore's controlling this and the media is getting one side in a text message. Right? I, one of Adam Schefter's six phones is blowing up from Baltimore or from another organization telling them whatever they've offered Baltimore. Well, in the interest of collusion which this is what this is, is in, in, and I, I've agreed throughout that this that's what's going on, but it's going to be impossible to prove. Yeah, that's fair. It would be a lot easier for the league and the owners to get their point across that Deshaun Watson is the exception and not the rule if they would actually negotiate with Lamar Jackson and tell him exactly what the Ravens are telling him. This is your worth. This is the guaranteed money you'll get. You're not going to get all of it fully guaranteed to the level of Deshaun Watson. And if he hears that from seven or eight other teams, then right. he probably starts to believe it. But I think by not even talking to him, I understand it's, well, we don't want to waste our time. If you're the league, he's like, we, we feel the same as the Ravens, but we're not going to waste our time because even if we made an offer, they're going to match it, yada, yada, yada. But if you're going to collude and make sure that Deshaun Watson doesn't happen again, why not collude to the level of not making it look as suspicious and just having fake negotiations with Lamar Jackson, offer him about exactly what the Ravens have been offering, and get it through to him that this is the market value for you, this is what you'll get in guaranteed money, and that way he'll just go back to Baltimore, which everyone thinks he's going to do in the, in, the, in the end no matter what, and sign his contract that's not equal to Deshaun Watson. Well, if that's what they ultimately want. And the Ravens have played this well. And I do well. think that's what the, that, what the owners want. The non-exclusive tag is going to pay him 11 or $12 million less than the exclusive tag. Around $33 million, uh, fully guaranteed in 2023. Could have made 45 had they put the exclusive tag on it. But now they get two first-round draft picks in exchange. If another team offers him a contract, they're not willing to match. I do think, though, this is them saying, and it's, it's smart on their behalf, saying, hey, here's, here's our offer. It's the $133 million, three years. Uh, and then the extra years that aren't going to really count is uh, essentially what they've offered. And you've got Lamar saying, no, I want, the, I want the Deshaun Watson contract. Baltimore said, that's our offer. And if you can find something better, we'll let the market dictate what we're going to pay you. So they've doubled down by saying, just like Lamar's done, they've doubled down by saying, find something better and we'll match it. If you can't, there's our offer. Take it. And you can still negotiate a long-term extension with the franchise-tagged player up to a certain point of the offseason. So maybe he, after he agrees that, okay, this is our offer, he'll take that deal. Or he'll just play one year, and then we go through the process all over again a year from now. It's one or the other. I, 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 think, don't know some, what I think something level, will get done. I don't know what level they're willing to match. My yeah. guess is they don't think another team, and to this point it's true, Got to wait until tomorrow for the league year to begin for they can pick up the phone and call a player. Um, to this point, they've played this well. And I think until this moment, Lamar has. Yeah, I, I don't see him playing out the one year. I think something will get done regardless, long term. Chad, I'm hearing a lot about um, 
Atlanta, Chicago, uh, and the moves they made yesterday. And I, I like what the, both of those organizations did. I think uh, just looking at the moves Denver made, Russell Wilson is a big winner uh, as the Sean Payton era is officially underway in Denver, at Mile High. They add in um, some high-priced, big-name offensive linemen that you probably don't watch whenever you're watching the games. But this Denver offensive line, they allowed 63 sacks last season. 55 of those went to Russell Wilson. The others uh, went to the backups while Wilson was injured. Dead last in the league, their offensive line, when it came to protecting the quarterback. They bring in right tackle Mike McGlinchey. It's been a position for Denver where they have they failed trying to find the guy on the right side of the line. Uh, he started McGlinchey every game last season in San Francisco. He's coming off of a, a career year. He's right in his prime. And again, he's consistent. Denver needs that. And then Peyton addresses the interior offensive line, which is even worse than what's happened at the tackle spot by going out and getting one of the guys who protects Lamar Jackson in a run-based offense and Ben Powers. He can play both left and right guard and a massive upgrade. Needs better protection in the pocket, in the cylinder, so that he can run this offense for Sean Payton and get back to what Wilson does best. And on top of that, they bring in backup quarterback Jarrett Stidham because we now know um, the last two years, Wilson's missed games. First nine seasons, didn't miss a single game. Three games each of the last two seasons he's missed. And then they bring in a pass rusher in Zach Allen to replace uh, Draymond Jones. And Allen is just a physical pass rusher that played for Vance Joseph in Arizona's defense. Joseph is now the D.C. in Denver. I, I like what they've done, even though the names are not you know the flashy uh, spotlight, neon sign, look at me type signings that we've seen across the league. I think it was smart, and I think Wilson's the big winner from day one. Yeah, and I, it's smart also because you are establishing the Sean Payton brand. Yeah. You know, regardless of what, what would have happened, the fact that you make a big splash, and you go, pick a direction, right? Like, pick, uh, this is our identity now. This is what we are saying to the world that we need to work on the most. And what they're saying to the league is, our offensive line is bad, and we're going to establish things up front in this Sean Payton era, and we're going to help out Russell Wilson that way. I think that's a smart move. I think it sends a message to the locker room about what you want to accomplish this year, and it's just a clear direction. And that's why you go get yep. a Sean Payton who's won a Super Bowl, is you go get a guy that's going to give you clear leadership and direction, and that's what he's giving Denver already. 63 sacks allowed, and then on defense, the emphasis has to be on stopping the run. Denver lost eight games by a touchdown or less last season. And a lot of it was due to the other team being able to run the clock out on them. And Allen's a good upgrade on the exterior defensive front as a pass rusher that can help in that department. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, switch gears. We head to the tournament. We've got our Cinderella stories, storylines that we are going to predict, plus the Final Four. The Blue Bloods were buying and selling. And an hour from now, Tim Brando joins us on Outkick 360.
tournament officially tips off tonight, and then the madness really gets going on Thursday. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 rolls on. The most consecutive tournament appearances. Number one probably doesn't surprise you, but I was surprised by the top five. Um, Chad, Kansas, yep. number one with the most consecutive tournament appearances, uh, followed by... Michigan State? Michigan State yeah. with 25. Kansas has 33 straight seasons. Michigan State with 25. Gonzaga with 24. It's hard to believe now it's been 24 years of the Zags in the tournament. It's also amazing that the West Coast Conference is you know, getting the, at most three yeah. into the dance, usually two. It's usually them and St. Mary's. But that they've been able to do that for that long you know, being a, a one, maybe two-bid league. It's not like they're in a power five. So Kansas is the one seed in the West. You have Michigan State as the seventh seed in the East. Gonzaga's the three in the West. And then you see a drop-off. So it goes from 33 years for Kansas, 25 for Michigan State, 24 for Gonzaga, and then eight for Purdue. Houston with five, as well as Tennessee with five. Purdue... Uh, they're the one in the East. Houston's the one in the Midwest, and Tennessee's the four in the East. I say all that because this isn't the first year we've seen the Blue Bloods down with that considerable drop-off from those uh, programs to the rest. And that makes for a wide-open tournament, especially when you see where these teams are seated. Yeah, it's... I had a little bit more fun this year filling out a bracket for that reason because... While I didn't have a ton of, and we're going to talk about our, our entire bracket and Final Four picks and all of that, but I didn't have anything like big-time crazy happening, but every time I go through every matchup, I could see the insane happening, right? Yeah. Like, I eventually got back to, okay, it's a little chalky at times, my bracket, but if you told me X happened and this was the national champion... This is a year where I, I would believe so if almost Mich anything. If Michigan State is the seven, went on a run. I mean, this is a. I mean, pick a Mountain West team: Utah yeah. State, or Boise State, Big East, Nevada coming out of the play-in game. Like it, nothing would surprise me about. Well, some, certain things would surprise me, but Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight games of the top ten or eleven seats. Yeah, in this tournament, there's not many of those that would be totally shocking to me. And uh, the Cinderella's this year, I've, I'm looking for the great storylines more, more than I am the seeds of where they're coming from. And Chad, my Cinderella pick for the Sweet 16, Furman. Give me Furman. They end the 40-year drought of making the tournament. They have Virginia on Thursday, the second tip-off of the tournament. And then they'll take on the winner of San Diego State in Charleston. Uh, they won 27 games. They attempt 27 threes on average per game. They can shoot it lights out, and if they start ripping it from beyond the arc, they're moving on uh, in my bracket. I've got them in the Sweet 16 taking on Bama, and for me, that's where it ends. But Chad, uh, Furman's my pick. Uh, give me uh, the, the sharpshooters. Um, and I, look, I'm betting on the fact that they come in and they, they shoot it well. They can certainly go cold, but 27 wins tells you they're very consistent with that. So I, I thought long and hard about another 27-win team, Iona okay, and Rick okay. Pitino. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about old Ricky P <laughs> coming up later. One of the best clips you'll ever see on, an, on a question about St. John's. But I, I went bigger. Now, I did not pick this team in my bracket. Full disclosure, okay? Seema. So 
<laughs> I did pick Simo in the play-in game oh, okay. uh, tonight. They play in tonight. Fact, in fact, I, I've got a bet for you later on Simo right. if you'd like. I've got both underdogs tonight in, uh, winning on the money line. Nice. Both Pitt and Simo are underdogs, and I think both of them win. So I didn't go with Iona. Uh, that's going to be a pretty trendy pick with Rick Pitino going against UConn. Um, I went with a school that's breathing some mountain air right now, and that is UNC Asheville. I think that UCLA is prone for an upset yep. here. Um, not that they looked bad in that Pac-12 tournament. They lost a classic to Arizona in the final. Losing Jalen Clark is big. Best defensive player on their team. He's a Naismith Defensive Player of the Year finalist for UCLA. If I, if I, I was looking at 15 seeds, and I'm thinking, if a two seed is to go down, I think it's UCLA against UNC Asheville. UNC Asheville is led by the Big South Player of the Year, Drew Pember. He's a kid from Knoxville, from Bearden High School. Hutton and I called one of his state championship games. He's a Tennessee transfer. He looks like he's the secondary speaker to Aaron Rodgers at the Psychedelics Conference, that he's the second speaker, not the keynote. He's got a man bun. He is perfect for the whole Asheville feel. The opener. On that team. Give me UNC Asheville as the big Cinderella. I'm stepping out on a limb here, but I think that we're going to see a 15 over two. And if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be the Asheville Bulldogs over UCLA in round one. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was the case several years back. UNC Asheville has the lowest budget, spending money budget, of any athletic department in D1. But their psychedelics budget is. Well, that makes them a true Cinderella. In Asheville, yeah. So. I've been to Asheville many times, and that, that's a place that likes to get after it. Um, give, me, give me Asheville over UCLA. The, uh, the Blue Bloods are that down. That surprised me, though, that of all the schools. Yeah, that, as far as the, 368 the Division I basketball schools, by the way. The lowest. 68 of them are, are playing in this tournament. Uh, but if that's 300 schools that aren't I mean, playing. That, uh, and now the transfer portal, by the way, is wide open for them. That's, that's right. You know, and, and the teams in the tournament are focusing uh, elsewhere. Um, Blue Bloods are down. We, we just hit on that, and we've hit on it all year when you look at the top 25. But there are several I'm buying, Chad. Kansas, uh, Bill Self is back. They make runs in the tournament. They certainly made the title run last year. Uh, Jalen Wilson, awesome. And look, I, I'm taking Kansas's experience here and their bracket. I think things line up for them, even though they're not going through Kansas City, which is where Houston earn the right to go over Kansas uh, because the committee, I guess, factored in Bill Self's health with this. He'll be back for for the tournament, and, and that's great news. I'm buying Kansas. I'm buying Duke. John Shire's done a great job in year one, and a nine-game win streak. They're one of the hottest teams coming into the tournament, hot at the right time. That certainly matters and why I'm taking them. And um, to a degree, they're playing with house money. No one's talking about them at all. And I like that aspect. And the Zags. They beat St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference Championship by 26 points. That is a conference record for a title matchup for them. And they average 87 points per game. They shoot nearly 60% from the field. Drew Timmy, uh, outstanding player. He's having a career season uh, in his decision to come back. And they're the only school to make the last seven Sweet 16s. So I think the Zags continue that trend. I've got Gonzaga going far in my bracket. I'll show you how far okay. soon. All right. Um, I do not consider them a blue blood. They are a usual suspect that, for sure I now mean, in the tournament. 
Yeah. Uh, blue bloods are very few and far between. Of, of my blue bloods, there. Hutton, I, I am, I'm buying you on Kansas and Duke. I, I think Duke is playing great at the end of the year. Kyle Filipowski is a matchup nightmare for people. Their three-point shooting's has gotten, gotten a lot better. I think they're going to go far. Kansas, to me, is a no-brainer, what they were able to accomplish a year ago. Jalen Wilson is a true difference maker, and Bill Self being back. I think the blowout 20-point loss to Texas in the Big 12 championship game, a mere setback. They're going to go far in this tournament, have a great chance at a repeat. Um, the ones that I, Another one I'm buying, Hutton, is Kentucky. Uh, I really think that the Wildcats, even though they lost to Vanderbilt, we saw it in spurts throughout the year, right? The moment that we would start questioning everything about Kentucky, their culture, their coaching, everything else, they would go on a run. I, I think they're going really outside of the Vanderbilt games recently, two losses. They've been pretty good. They went to Arkansas and won big. They beat Auburn by 26 points. They've been playing better. I think Cason Wallace back now at point guard is going to help them. Oscar Shibway is going to come up big. I like their draw. I, I think I'm not saying Elite Eight Final Four. I do think Kentucky gets to the second weekend. I think they get through their first two games and get to the Sweet 16. So I'm buying them. The, of the blue bloods I'm selling, it's just UCLA. And really only because they're injury Same. concerns. And, and it's not just Jalen Clark. It's also their big man who injured his shoulder, uh, who's probably going to give it a go, but not be 100%. Well, see, I, I am selling Kentucky. Um, I'm not buying in there because... John Calipari, whenever the seeds were announced, the matchups were announced, he held a presser with the media, and he he admitted that he told his team that unlike what we did going into Nashville at the SEC tournament, I told our group, if you don't practice all three days going into this game, you're not playing. You're not starting. You're not in the starting lineup. That tells me that guys were opting out of practice and they're not hurt. And I don't catch the vibe for a team that with their last three losses have been to Vanderbilt and Georgia. I don't buy this team as a blue blood that's going very far in the tournament, especially with the, I do think they're feeling the pressure as well of getting out of the first round. Um, unlike last year, not having back-to-back bounces and they're facing a Providence team that gets after it. So I, I don't think the matchups are great for Kentucky simply because this is a year where Kentucky's just not that good compared to what we've seen. I kept waiting all year though, uh, Chad, you and I discussed this three months ago. There's going to be a time where things click for Calipari's team. That's normally the case. It's a slow build, and then you hit conference play, and by the time they go to the SEC tournament, even though they may not win the SEC tournament, they're playing very well. You've got to be on to beat them. That just wasn't the case for Kentucky down the stretch, and they never grasped that consistency that I felt like we'd see. Because of that, I, I, I don't view them in the same lens as some of the teams I took because of the, the up-and-down play. They can, they, they can reach the second weekend, but I, I was, I'm looking this through a lens of what Kentucky and the standard is, and I just don't see them meeting the standard. I'm very intrigued by this storyline of Bryce Hopkins, who's Providence's best player, being the Kentucky transfer. Leading and knowing, scoring. Knowing and, all the guys yeah. on this team and uh, averaging close to 17 points per game. I, I like that head-to-head in round one. They're better. Match, I mean, matched up Kentucky. To, they're head-to-head better than the other guy they're across from. But in, in this case, I just I, I found it odd that Calipari was pointing to practice time. And if you're opting out of practice, you're not going to start. You're going to be down the bench. And he was, 
you know, asked to clarify about injuries and stuff. He's like, no, we just, we, I want guys that are ready to go. We got to prepare. Yeah. I, I think, look, if you're buying, and I'm buying Kentucky, so yeah. I'm not buying them because I think that Calipari's culture is terrific. It's I'm buying them because I think their talent is great. And as fluky as this tournament can be, and it was a year ago, Kentucky was playing very well. Yeah. They were much better a year ago. They had at the time the national player of the year for that year, Oscar Shibway, who's taking a step back this year. And they lose to St. Peter's in the first round. It's fluky. And that was a pretty fluky run from St. Peter's as they got hot at the right time. I think the reverse could happen this year simply based on Kentucky's talent. I'm not going to say that's a big predictor of future success or that John Calipari has righted the ship with his tenure at Kentucky, but I do think these first two matchups, Providence and likely Kansas State, are advantageous matchups for Kentucky to get to that Sweet 16. I don't have them going further than that, though. Chances are, if you're betting on a conference champion to go on and win the national championship in the same season, that doesn't tend to happen. The conference tournament champion. The last 10 champions from the NCAA tournament, uh, we certainly know Kansas uh, from the, the season prior with the matchup against North Carolina, but Baylor, Virginia, uh, you can go on and see how many they've They've won uh, Villanova, Duke, UConn. Give me the the blue bloods to one of these blue bloods is making a run, Chad. That we're buying or selling. They're winning this tournament this year. I would guess from this group, certainly Kansas. Um, I really like Duke right now. UConn is difficult for me because I do think that it's going to be a tough matchup against Iona in round one. Baylor's got a pretty good draw to do some damage in this bracket also. Um, I agree with you, Hutton. Odds are it will be one of them, but this is the perfect year for someone that's never won it or that hasn't been there in years to have a chance at winning it all. And the seeds are one, two, and then you see UConn at seven. That's intriguing as we go through the bracket. Um, First-time champion, Chad? It's Alabama. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, You picked it. Alabama. I picked Alabama. Uh, I think it's a horrific story. I think this, the, the dark, ominous cloud of the murder and Brandon Miller playing without sitting at all is going to yep. follow this team all the way to Houston. I also watch basketball a lot, and this is the best basketball team in America. There's no doubt about it. From every team that I've seen, they can beat you in every possible way. They are an underrated def- defensive team. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country on top of being a great shooting team from the outside. They get the ball to the rim. They've got great dunkers down low that if you collapse and help, they're going to lob it up to the rim and someone's going to dunk over the top of you. It's a great basketball team. They're my national champion. I think it's going to be a horrible story. I hope they don't win it uh, for obvious reasons, and I've been very vocal about it. But I I pick with my brain. And not with my heart, and I've got Alabama winning it all as a first-time champion. We have uh, a mixed uh, opinion on the Final Four. I've got Bama as well. Uh, I'm with Chad. They, Brandon Miller's playing for a reason. He wasn't disciplined here, uh, at least on the court, for a reason. Uh, Alabama's cutting down the nets. I have them playing Kansas State in the Final Four. And on the opposite of the bracket, Houston and UConn coming from the four seed out of the West. I, I think that the Cougars uh, continue to make their run. They're very talented as well. We get a rematch and Bama's already shown us what this rematch happens uh, to be like with Bama beating Houston head to head in the national championship game. I, I really like Kansas state. Chad, 
you uh, turned me on to them just based on Jerome Tang. Yeah. And uh, done an it, awesome job. Fantastic. I mean, they were picked last in the Big 12. Yeah. And Great story. To see where they are now as a three seed um, with the different ways they can beat you. They play really good defense. They can get up and down the floor on offense. Uh, Keontae Johnson, he's the guy from Florida that no one wanted because of the he health heart, issue, right? A heart issue, yeah. He's carted he, off. He collapsed. Yeah. And they, I mean, this is a team of transfers. We're seeing it right before our eyes in the transfer portal. Give me K-State. Uh, very talented. And there's one other team. I love this national championship game you have, by the way, okay. in the city of Houston. In Houston. This would be Houston yeah. versus Alabama in Houston would be awesome. Yeah, a great, uh, a great. There's another team, though, that's very intriguing, and it's Arkansas. Uh, make it, they, they have two lottery picks. No one else has two lottery picks in their roster. So if you're just going based on talent and a team coming hot, it could be the Razorbacks. I have them bowing out earlier, of course, than the Final Four. But K-State and UConn, I have making a run to face Alabama and Houston. Who you have? So Arkansas would get Kansas in round two, which, which hurts them in the 8-9 the right. game. They get Illinois to start. Uh, I love Houston, by the way. I love your pick there. Um, the Marcus Sasser injury in that semifinal but, of the AAC tournament concerns me. Yes. He, he's probably going to give it a go. Yes. I don't know that he's Report. 100%. Right. So that that that's what gives me a little bit of concern on that one. So my final four, I've got Alabama and Marquette. Nice. Shaka Smart yeah. goes from VCU. He's great there. Goes to Texas, where he's got every resource in the world. Disappoints at Texas. Goes back down a notch to Marquette. Great basketball history at Marquette, but not the resources of Texas. And in year two, the guys got a chance to go to the final four. As a number two seed, I love that Marquette Did you hear team. what he said after the game, after the uh, the Big East and the, the no? So he's he was asked like why he's made things work at Marquette, and he goes because we have people above me who treat others like human beings. Wow. I mean, if you don't take a shot at Texas by saying that, I don't know what he's referring to. That is massive to me. What he was saying, he's like we we, we treat each other here like human beings. People care about what we're doing. And it's shown on the floor. I love that. The, the, just the sheer honesty of what Shaka Smart was saying. That is a crazy shot, no doubt about it. So I got Alabama Marquette on one side, Gonzaga, Indiana on the other. I've got Houston going down the Sweet 16. Indiana making a run with Dan Dockich's uh, Hoosiers. Indiana, Gonzaga, give me the Bulldogs. Gonzaga back to a national championship game where they will lose once again in a national championship game, this time to Alabama. Chad, real quick, how, where do you have Memphis? bowing out because this was this was one of my most difficult decisions i had them losing to purdue in round two okay but i badly wanted to pick memphis to upset purdue in round two but did not do it i have memphis doing that and then they lose in the sweet 16 to duke but memphis just watching them head to head this year against houston it's hard good game it's hard not to pick memphis advancing yeah penny hardaway's team also catching some heat kendrick davis is awesome the transfer from smu yeah he's terrific um Chad, Rick Pitino is in this tournament, and Rick Pitino hasn't been this thirsty since, well, I think we all know. Porcini. Uh, details next on Outkick 360. I've eaten there. Terrific restaurant. Chad, the thirst is more than what we well know it for. Outkick 360 rolls on. There's a... Long-time head coach in college hoops that... Who stays thirsty. Got, 
got your attention last <laughs> Looks night. Looks like the world's most interesting man. He stays thirsty at oh, all times. Rick Pitino. And oh, Ricky P. The rumors for St. John's. He's currently about to take on Hurley's group with... Um, UConn. Yeah, UConn, excuse me. Yeah, my, my Final Four team. And now you've got Iona with Patino and all the questions about if he's leaving there and where to and the rumors about St. John's. Here's Patino discussing that. I don't know. I'm going to... I wanted... At one time, we, there was talk about a, a, an extension, new contract, and so on. It didn't work out. But that doesn't mean uh, there's no hard feelings. Uh, if anything, it's the opposite. There are great feelings. So I don't know. At the end of the year, I'll look at certain situations. You know, I haven't, even though I'm local, I bet I haven't been to St. John's campus in 30 years. I couldn't even know. I don't even know how to get there. I'd have to use navigation. So, you know, it's not as, as easy a, as people think. You know, they, they don't think that. I've been through the ACC, the Big East, the Metro, I think, the AAC, um, the Big East, I said, uh, two, two different times. So I've been through the um, SEC. And now the, the Mac. I've been through the Boston University one, whatever that was back then. So I, I've been through a lot of conferences. So it's not going to blow me away any conference or anything because I've been through it. I've also coached the Knicks and the Celtics. Let me translate for Ricky P. He said, I've been to 99 cities and I've rocked them all. <laughs> That's what he's telling America right there. So what's Queens? That's just one more city I'll go to all. and dominate. I've been to every conference, the, the old Metro Conference, he's, the MAC, not the MAC, the MAAC yeah. that he's dominating right now, the SEC, the ACC, the Big East, the uh, Atlantic Division of the NBA. The guy's gone oh. to every conference and division, and he's dominated other than his stint in the NBA. And he goes on uh, I love it. I, I, I low-key love Rick Pitino. Always yeah. have. He yeah. is a great coach. Uh, if my school was a big program... And I'm, I'm just being general here, mm -hmm. uh, taking my sensibilities and knowing Rick Pitino's track record for success, I would love it if my school hired Rick Pitino to be their coach because you know he's going to coach ball and you're going to win. You're gonna ha you, now, look, there's some skeletons in that closet, no doubt about it, but you know it's a program that's going to win and win big. Yes. And, and he's done that at Iona. Well, yes, and it, he went on to say, he's like, look, I, I love the president. We're both friars at heart. He first met him at, at Providence. And, uh, Chad, he says that his team is not going to be affected by this. Here was his quote. He goes, when I was at Kentucky, there were rumors of me going to six NBA jobs. The players don't pay attention to it at all. We don't even address it. The internet doesn't pick coaches, so we don't even address it. Right now, uh, not now as we get ready for UConn, um, they're talking about it. They're being asked about it in the locker room. I think that does affect them in their matchup. So... Correct me if I'm wrong. So, 96 at Kentucky, they won it all. Yeah. In 96. 97, they got back to the national championship game, but lost to Arizona, I want to say, and Miles Simon. Yes. In Simon that game. says championship. Yes. yes. And then 98, Tubby came in in year one and won against Utah. His first year at Kentucky, yes. Patino left. Yeah. So, in the last two years, talking about the distraction part, I mean, they weren't too distracted. They made it back to a national championship game, but lost. Yeah. But they won at 96, lost in 97, won again in 98, went to the Celtics, had the famous quote about, you know, Larry Bird's not walking through that door anytime soon when they were losing. Um, love Rick Pitino. 
He's going to go to St. John's. That's also what I take away from this. When you mentioned that, I know we were working on a contract extension at one point, but that fell through. Hey, no hard feelings. No hard feelings, Diona. He's probably thinking, I'm glad we didn't come up with one because that makes it easier for me to bolt for St. John's now that we didn't get that extension done. Well, and now you've got Patino who knows that he's right there on the cusp of being through the saga that he's had to coach under. Oh, he has been. Uh, I mean – Oh, he's he been, is, he's Andy Dufresne. He's gone through the sewage system. He has come out in the rain on the other side clean now. You can tell. He how, is ready to go, baby. Yeah. He has served his penance. The media baptism. He away from the game and then to Iona <laughs> and done well at Iona, kept his nose clean, and Ricky P is back into the big times now. He's going to St. John's. Chad, college hoops. Book it. <laughs> it can be a one-month sport for some, and unfortunately – some of those who call themselves experts when it comes to bracketology. We've got that. Plus, what did Charles Barkley say about the Auburn and Alabama fan bases coming together? That's next, plus Tim Brando in 25 minutes on Outkick 360.